On today's episode of Relative Currency, you also have to have that strategy that when other people are panicking, selling, and things are crashing, that's a good time to be buying because when things go up, you're going to see a big upside. Brother, sister, and cousin, we've been relatives for a while. We're chatting about financial things, we're doing it family style. Cryptocurrency, stocks, and loans, financial literacy. It'll be that and so much more on Relative Currency. Currency, fine-tuning financial literacy for the middle class. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Relative Currency. I'm Frank here with Alicia and Treffin, and we're so excited you guys could join us again. Uh, if this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Um, if you if you um, would be so kind, leave us a rating, five stars, preferably, and a review. We definitely appreciate that. Um, again, uh, this episode, I think, is, is going to be another uh, enlightening episode. I mean, I feel like all the episodes are like that. Uh, but this one, I think, is in particular, is, is definitely a very timely episode as well as very relevant to your future. So it kind of has a, a two-part uh, function in that way. Um, I know for the last year, everybody's been talking about interest rates going up and there's the recession talk and and, but if you've noticed the stock market and, and, and certain things like the housing market, like things are going up, they're not going south. Like if there's this recession coming, yeah, their prices are higher and yeah, there's inflation. I'm not saying there's not effects, but but the bottom certainly hasn't fallen out. And if you look at, you know, the market, certainly the stock market and commodities, it's, it's going the other way. Um, and so one of the things I'm going to reference, and I'll link this in the description of the episode, is there's an article uh, that was written by Fundrise, and it talks about the lag between when um, economic indicators that are that are kind of going negative happen and when the actual effect kind of happens. It's kind of a long tail, so to speak. Um, and, and in that regard, the, one of the things the article references is, is the 2008-2009 housing crash. And so you go back to 2004 in the article and they reference, they say, hey, interest rates went up from 1% to five and a quarter percent in that year. So that was certainly not a great sign. But then 2006, you had basically this high point in the housing market. And then it wasn't until 18 months after 2006 that you kind of had the recession. And then in 2009, you had your complete bottom out. So literally it took five years from when the indicators of, you know, your interest rates are going up and, and you know, creeping in inflation and, and different things like that. But business as usual, right? And so I think what we're going to talk about, what we're going to discuss is just how do you manage destruction when it's on the way? And so I'm going to throw that out to Alicia and Botreffin. Like when you know destruction is around the corner, how do you manage it? I think that um, from my personal perspective, um, I would stay invested in the stock market because really the stock market is always a long-term ride. However, if I, you know, had additional money coming in, I would move towards other types of investments. So, for example, investing in businesses, investing in um, some sort of real, real estate, 
and to say not not corporate type real estate um but you know land i would look at international investing often um even though everything is inter interrelated and interconnected it still is a, an additional buffer and a diversification to cast your gaze beyond the shores and look at what other opportunities are are uh, happening in terms of innovation, technology, healthcare in other countries. Um, you know, it's a time to really start paying attention. This isn't going to be, um, you know, coasting with your eyes closed. I, I think it's time to really um, to take more consideration because when everything is going up, everybody looks like a genius. And any any kind of position that you take looks brilliant. It's when, you know, like I said, when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's been swimming naked. So I would say to take advantage of what's going to happen likely in the next 18 months, 24 months, maybe even three years, you know, don't divest all your holdings in the stock market. But, you know, definitely look at as you're moving forward, you would want to strongly consider putting money into other types of assets besides the fortune 500 definitely treffin do you have anything i know you're you're um in china you know don't for listeners for your first time treffin is um he's he lives in china he's he lives abroad as an as educator so he we always welcome his perspective certainly in these in these times of turbulence so, um, you know, Treffin, what are your thoughts on uh, the next few years economically, or do you have any strategy? Do you have any plans? Um, yeah. So, my strategy. Can you hear me? By the way. Sure. Yep. You're good. Great. Um, so, my strategy when I first came to China was to work as much as I possibly could. So, for me. I took on one, I took on two jobs and that money, I used that money to invest in other things that I was doing. But I'd say for now, as far as um, whether you should still stay invested in the stock market, I, and this is just because I wanted to start a new business doing something, I was invested in a lot of different things. I was invested in crypto, I was invested in some traditional stuff. And before the beginning of 2020, and this is before everybody knew what COVID was, I decided to take some money out to put it into my businesses and things like that. And I'd say it didn't really pay off in doing that because COVID came and my business struggled a lot. But um, yeah, I learned uh, and yeah, I lost a lot of money in doing it. But um, I think the lesson I learned the most was from everybody else. The businesses that struggled and remain during COVID are the businesses right now that are doing really, really well. So if you can save yourself in investing money and stuff like that in a, in a business, but you can start it, maybe you don't need to have an overhead cost or something like that, or something you can just do strictly online and it's just investing your time, that would be a really good idea. So. Um, my advice would be look for other investments that you can do that um, are not going to take from 
you know, your medical funds are not going to take for your, your, your funds that you put over to the side for emergencies and things like that. Um, not saying that I did that. I still have an emergency fund, but I kind of regret uh, making the investment for, you know, the, the, the thing that I did that was like a training center. So essentially it was like an English learning school um, because now I'm looking at the same thing of starting it over again since COVID is the, the policies in China have gotten better. And I'm looking at the same thing, and I actually don't really need to spend any money for renting an office. I don't need to spend any money for the marketing because after, I guess, the year of um, learning or failing and stuff through that and the years of COVID, I pretty much found out, oh, these are really good ways to save money. Um, I can't completely take this type of business online. But I did find a lot of ways to save myself money from people who were struggling and I found things that I could do. Either I work for somebody and I say, hey, okay, I'll work for you um, on the weekends, but you let me have your place Monday to Friday. So I've got myself, uh, I've got myself a, a location now Monday through Friday. And now I've got someone who's also doing the marketing and stuff like that for me on the weekends. And all it really costs me is time. And I still get a paycheck for working for this person on the weekends also. And it allows me to have a space for my business. So um, if you can invest your time, invest your time in your networking. And I say this all the time because that's what's going to pay off when things get better, um, in my opinion. That's really good advice. And like I said, Treffin, he's actually shared that on previous episodes. Um, I think it's in Network Provider by title, um, if you're looking for that episode where he kind of goes into that. And also um, uh, Mind Your Business Part 1 and 2, where he shares some of the uh, trouble he had starting the business after COVID and some of the challenges he faced. Uh, a lot of wisdom there. Obviously, can't pack it all into uh, the few minutes that we have on the show tonight, but there's definitely the archives. Definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, other major podcast platforms. Um, I guess one of the things that also that I would ask is, all right, so I'm in the stock market. I'm in maybe um, some kind of real estate. Um, is is there, what at, what at what point, because I, th I think it's all a matter of comfort too, because I'd say, okay, get you can't say like, well, if you look at the history from, from what we've seen in the past, technically 2028 would be when things really, really bottom out. But like when you want to maximize that profit, like it feels like it would be in the next two years. So how do you convince yourself to, or, or what does it look like in saying, hey, I'm in, you know, if I'm in my, if my mix is, you know, 60%, um large caps and things like that and 30 percent you know foreign stuff and then maybe 10 percent bonds like how does my portfolio how should it look in the next two years what should i be shifting to should i be going conservative um in the next two years versus conservative now i think a lot of people are doing conservative now they're not really getting re the returns and then they're going to get aggressive and they're going to get burned so it's like it almost feels like the shift has to be like i, I think the biggest thing is the indicators that we're used to going by are not the ones that we should be using. We should just be using time and the cyclical nature of the markets of what we've seen versus whatever, you know, oh, the stock market says this or the S&P says this. It's like, no, this is what it says. You've got two years left. You've got five years until it really gets horrible. So, um, you know, 
is there any recommendations that you have specifically, or is it just like watch it, play it by ear? So, you know, there's that saying that um, when you win the game, you should stop playing. So I think there's a, there's a, a range of answers to this, which depends on what your timeline and what your goals are. So meaning, for example, if you're not going to be retired for 20 years or more, you can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, if, you, if you're foreseeing yourself being gainfully employed, or if not, you have your disability insurance and whatnot. But the point is, you're just playing out your plan. And you may have your end goal of whatever figure of money that you, you know, need to have to be able to live on and not have to work. I mean, many people, as long as they're able-bodied, even if they're supposedly retired, are, you know, will still continue to do something productive that could possibly earn money. But let's just say, you know, you want to live on, um, you know, $60,000 a year and you're, you know that you need approximately one and a half to $2 million to be able to do that. Um, what you would want to do is make sure if your time horizon to that point is close, is make sure that one and a half to two million is either um, deployed into into some asset that's very stable. So meaning not, you know, invested mostly in stocks. Um, and again, because I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not going to be specific. But the point is, you don't want that money still on the roulette table, so to speak. You take that money off the table. And then whatever, if you have money beyond that, then again, you can, you know, retirement can last, if you live, a, you know, a good lifespan, it could be, you know, 20, 30 years. So you can still be in, investing the money that you, you know, don't necessarily, quote unquote, need. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're still in a growth phase, what I would take advantage of, I wouldn't take anything out of the market now. I would let it run up because the thing is, it's it's different 30% of $100,000 versus 30% of $150,000. And so if you have $100,000 now, and, you know, I mean, these are made up numbers, but you have, you know, $150,000 in a couple of years, even when that drops, that's better than if you had taken your 100000 out and put it under your mattress. Um, and so I think, you know, you've got to have that perspective. The other thing is when the market goes down, you want to be in a position to buy. Just like, you know, if the housing market crashes, you want to be ready to buy. You don't want to be the person who's underwater in their mortgage. Ask me how I know. Um, so you also have to have that strategy that when other people are panicking, selling, and things are crashing, that's a good time to be buying. Because when things go up, you're going to see a big upside. But you can't have, you know, the money for your groceries, the money for your housing, the money for your kid's school evaporate. You you want to be in a position where the money that you know that you need for whatever reason, you want that to be protected as much as possible. But if you're early in your career, early in your life, you know, you're going to want to take advantage of these downturns. That's how a lot of people are doing very well now, because even just from timing, they weren't necessarily um, seeing their investments fall, but they had just entered the market when it was in a downturn. And so there was a lot of upside for people whose uh, investment journey started in, say, 2009. 
So it's a different thing when you have to weather the storm, but you always have to have your end goal in mind so that you don't lose your way. You will lose your way if you're just being buffeted about by other people's panic and other people's predictions. You have to know what your game is and you have to play your game. Definitely go back and listen to our episodes. Sun's out, fun's out, right? And that's an episode we talk about saving money and, and doing things, you know, more economically and still having a good time. So definitely want to uh, take a listen to that as well. So um, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap, I guess. I know Alicia had some good stuff, but Trevor, do you have anything else before we uh, wrap this one up? Sure. Um, as regards to crypto, you mentioned, how do you know when you get out with that? My answer would be, it depends. If it's, a new project and it's something you got in and you put a little bit of money in it and the product has finally released its token or whatever my advice would be get out what you put in assuming it was a lot of money or whatever because if you're not involved in that project if you're not involved in that community then these new projects and stuff in crypto i'm always very kind of iffy about them so if you're investing in something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, my thing would be to take money out in increments. Like always have like a time when you're like, okay, this is the time when I'm gonna result, withdraw maybe three months, maybe six months. Whether you're putting it in your savings account, whether you're taking that money out and spending it for something, that would be my advice for Ethereum and Bitcoin. But then also it would be, don't leave any of your money on it exchanges make sure that you're in control of your keys and things like that so get yourself a ledger um never trust any of the exchanges like even looking at something like binance binance is an exchange i would not be trusting right now because who knows what's going to happen with binance things could be okay for them or they could be facing some pro problems in the future so um i only really use coinbase and i only use coinbase when i want to sell and when I want to send stuff to my bank account. So I keep my crypto on my own ledger and then I sell on Coinbase. And that's how I turn my money into USD when I want to, you know, cash out or pay for something and things like that. Definitely. Well, that's definitely good stuff. Again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, again, you can listen to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. Uh, for Alicia and Treffin, I'm Frank. We will see you guys very soon on another episode of Relative Currency. Thank you for listening to Relative Currency. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other major podcast platforms.